0: creators in the future will, will become and start to become their own storefronts. Part of that will involve Web3, the opportunity to continue what you're used to doing, but now it's, it's made better for you, it's more expensive to do, it's more transparent, quicker, whatever it is, through Web3. Through
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to This is the Creator Economy. I'm Rob Dawson, CEO of Iovia. In this podcast, we discover new ideas and useful insights as we explore the creator economy with you. It's a podcast for brands who are looking to navigate this new world, for creators who want to create value with brands, and for others who are just curious about the possibilities the creator economy brings. Today, I recorded a conversation with Vinod Varma, the co-founder and CEO of Creator, a platform that connects brands and creators together. Vinod first witnessed the power of influencer marketing while launching new products for Fitbit, Samsung, Apple, and others while at billion dollar retailer Best Buy. Since 2016, he has worked with leading consumer and emerging brands to grow Creator into a top three ranked influencer marketing platform. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to This is the Creator Economy. I'm your host, Rob Dawson. Uh, this is our continuing series, diving into the Creator Economy and learning uh, lots about it. Today, I'm super excited to uh, have uh, my guest with me, Vinod, who is the co-founder and CEO of Creator. Welcome to the conversation.
0: Pleasure to be here, Rob. Thanks for having me.
1: My pleasure. Yeah, good to... Uh, you know, I, I know we've had a bunch of chats offline, so it's good to, to get you onto the podcast and, and looking forward to the conversation. Maybe just to set the stage, tell us a bit about who you are and the work that you do at Creator.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in a former life, I was uh, responsible for launching new brands in Canada, particularly around uh, the wearables category is where I really started to find my footing, I guess, as a as a marketing guy. And I was fortunate enough to launch some of the early generation Fitbit devices, Samsung, Apple iWatches, and you know there were a ton of brands before that as well. And that was kind of the first time I got to experience the power of influencers for the first time. And and just when they really were able to kind of capture market share, capture the right audience to begin, and then you know in the long tail, um, have that result in, in market share. And that was kind of my my inspiration to to kind of bring that to tons of different brands instead of just the ones who could, you know, afford it traditionally. Yeah, we ended up building Creator.co uh, to help brands trade the products and services for very tailored social exposure at the heart of it. And then since then, we've evolved and become a little bit more community-focused and diving into some of these cool projects as well. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my background in, and the genesis, I guess, of uh, creator.co.
1: So you're really focused around connecting creators and brands together in the creator economy. Can you share with us, you know, some of the some of the interesting projects that you've uh, you're worked on recently?
0: Yeah. So most recently, we really started launching what's called these experiential campaigns, which are focused uh, at retail. With the restrictions going away, and hopefully those <laughs> that lasting for a while. We saw a huge need for retailers and vendors, brands to jumpstart that traffic and that engagement again. What we did is uh, we strategically hyper-targeted influencers around certain locations. Uh, in, in the particular example, I'll talk about it, Superstore, which is a, a national Canadian uh, grocery chain. They have just under 100, just under 100 stores, I think, across, across the country. Um, and what we did is we targeted influencers to go there and highlight and work with some of their vendors to essentially showcase where assortments are located in-store, call out any sales with promotional activity that, that's going on within the stores, and then share that, one, through stories, so it's live and in-person, having the brand be able to capture that content and then leverage it, read, leverage it on their paid channels to drive conversion when, as the event is going on. And then when they get home or, or have that product, creating content that's more tailored to the actual product you purchased from Superstore. So, you know, we kind of ran that as a, as a full on experiential campaign with multiple touch points, multiple pieces of content and saw a huge increase in store traffic, basket attached, which is something that retailers uh, measured quite closely. So people were spending more in the stores they were there very clear indicator of sales velocity. So, if, you know, that brand was selling two or three per store. They were selling five to six per store now. We'd just be able to, you know, it's obviously very difficult to correlate what happens in the digital world with, with the brick and mortar world because of the disconnect. Uh, and you can't, you know, put a real cookie on anyone and have them walk around the store. It was interesting to see the correlation because we had a really strong sample set before that campaign. And then we measured not only during the campaign, but the effective lift and what we saw is, you know, like a month or two after the campaign completes is when that momentum kind of cooled off. So there was definitely a long tail
1: correlation. Interesting, yeah, and great that you're able to get some analytics around that as well, and be able to measure the impact of of what it is that that you're doing. I see that you work a lot with retailers and SMBs and emerging companies. What are the what are some of the particular opportunities that you see for them in the creator economy and how they can best leverage it.
0: You know those brands are, are fairly underserved, I think. You know, not, not a lot of people are building programs for retailers, especially brick and mortar, to take advantage of the creator economy. Truthfully, I wouldn't be surprised if some retailers saw influencers as almost competitors because they're, you know, brands are selling direct and using influencers as a channel and getting the good. I think for retailers in particular, the goal is, you know, if you're we knew that retail was changing with the evolution of e-commerce and that was happening during my days at, at Best Buy as well. And it was becoming more experiential. Less about the number of boxes you can put out on display, more about how the displays communicated the features and benefits of the lifestyle benefits of the product or the brand. And you notice when you go into kind of the more modern retailers, there's a lot less product and boxes everywhere and there's a lot larger, you know, quasi in-store in-store experiences or pop-ups and things like that that
1: right. yeah. uh, create that yeah. differentiation
0: between online and in-store. And I think that's why in-store is still you know, a very healthy part of commerce in Canada and the US is because consumers uh, definitely enjoy touching and feeling and learning about products before they buy it. Um, right. It doesn't interfere with the convenience of getting it next day on you know an Amazon or Bus Buy or whatever it might be. Focusing on uh, and helping the retailers understand that if they can work with the creators to drive people into those stores and make those experiences better and have those experiences come to life through the influencers' channels, so more people want to go and right. follow out, I think that's yeah. kind of a huge strategy. That's that not it's difficult to scale and, and can be difficult to measure. But well, we've, mm-hmm. you know, we've we've demonstrated small scale versions of it at Walmart. Superstar target in the U.S. Um, and hopefully a few a few more later this year. But I think that's where retailers, particularly, have the most to gain is really showcasing their in-store experience through the influencer channels and then leveraging yeah. leveraging that content to get more people in into the actual source.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really interesting that you're connecting that digital experience to the in-store experience and kind of bringing those those together. Um, You know, if you were advising uh, a retailer or a brand today around what types of creators they should be working for and whatnot, how, what sort of advice would you give them around you know finding that good fit of a creator to work with?
0: There's obviously the different tiers, and and a lot of that depends on the project. If if I was being asked the advice, I would I would definitely vouch on the side of a micro influencer from a brick and mortar retailer perspective. A, there's going to be a lot more options that are closer to your store that would make sense for them to get there and create content and things like that. B, data shows that they're a lot more authentic and trustworthy, so people are more likely to believe them and potentially convert seeing bad content over, you know, celebrity-created content um, or brand-created content for that matter. So micro influencers, for the fact that they're more authentic, technically higher chances of converting, and you're going to be able to more easily find them around, you know, whether it's just. In- 10K uh, radius around your physical store. Further down is when you get in touch with that influencer or you begin your recruitment strategy, make sure you look at two key, I guess, characteristics of their social profiles that, that you wouldn't find on any family, you know, front-facing recruiter, or most of them anyway. One is where the audience lives. So is mm. the audience, in line with the brand and, and the retailer itself in terms of you know what do they do and what is the audience interested in and can they all get to a store at some point um, yeah. and then b is the the amount of people their followers follow. so essentially it's an, it's, it's an audience reachability score and what that does is it tells you the easiest way i can i can give you an example is if you know say i follow 1500 people on instagram and rob you follow 10 people when you log on, you're almost 100% likely to see any organic content that they've posted. When I log right. on, I'm less than 20% likely to see any organic content yeah. because it follows so many people. And the algorithm's pushing other types of content in my direction. If you can find people whose followers are easier to reach, in other words, they follow less people, you won't have to spend as much promoting the content outside of that.
1: Interesting. Um, Interesting. So so yeah. you,
0: you'll, you'll basically get a, a good understanding if the, the organic post is been reached or not. And what you'll right. see is sometimes it's very difficult to organically reach an audience because we all follow so many people and digest so many pieces of content. Um, right. Brands have to understand that putting a promotional spend behind certain pieces of content, depending on that audience reachability score, it's going to be important if you want to actually truly reach the audience and gain a sense of the value of being in front of that audience through that, through that influence. Yeah.
1: yeah, you know, I think it's I think it's super interesting that you make that distinction between uh, a celebrity influencer and a micro influencer, you know, so much of. Of our work has been around harnessing the capabilities of real brand fans and and micro influencers and, and micro creators. Um, are you seeing that as like the the big opportunity for a lot of your uh, brands that you're working with?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know fandom and community is is key in, in today's world, and, and I think with the emergence of Web three, it becomes even that more important for brands and retailers to understand that owning their community and, build, you know, first of all, building, and then secondly, owning their community is going to be key as, uh, this, you know, the, the internet starts to be disrupted through through technology, but it's, in, you know, the blockchain technology.
1: So I really like how you're, like, bridging the gap between creators and, and brands. I think I imagine that it would be difficult for a brand to kind of do a lot of this on their own or, or organically. Um, what challenges are you helping them overcome at Creator?
0: From the data that we understand, the, the two biggest time sucks from doing influencer campaigns is one is finding and recruiting the influencers. That takes mm-hmm. a lot of time. Um, and we offer, you know, creator who kind of solves solve that problem where we understand the profile, the needs of the campaign, and then can kind of automate recruitment for brands. Um, yeah. And then secondly is managing them. And that's difficult for a bunch of different reasons. One is, you know, if you're dealing with micro-influencers, you know, you're, you're dealing with individuals who, you know, you don't have the chance to interview their communication skills like you would for a job. You know, you're there to right. you believe their community has value. Managing creators from the whole spectrum from other micro-influencers because there's going to be a lot of them for the campaign to be effective, and that means communicating with a, with a lot of different people with different communication styles, so that can take a while to get used to, and it typically does take a dedicated manager. And then the other side is going to deal with macro or larger influencers. You're going through an agent, um, which which can you know result in, in its own kind of friction and that type of relationship. So, and you know, between finding the creators and vetting them, and, and actually managing them, that, that's kind of the two biggest headaches that we see, and uh, we often mm-hmm. be, have be availability. The automation of their recruitment and then we offer account managers to help actually manage campaigns from fulfillment to execution as well.
1: Interesting. And then what about from the creator's perspective? I mean, if, if uh, for somebody who's thinking of becoming a creator or maybe they're already doing some things organically themselves, what, uh, you know, what advice do you have for, for somebody that's wanting to get into the game?
0: We think there's 50 million amateur creators out there. Um, that are aspiring to you know use it as a side gig or maybe evolve into you know a full time content creator and and your yeah. dreams come true. But for if I was giving advice to people would be be authentic, um, you know be careful about be cognitive of delivering a consistent message when you're getting started and with, with, mm. because and I say that because I think it's that consistency and that constant you know beat of your drum is, as a brand. That's going to draw people and audiences towards you, and when you get those people that are drawn towards you, and you're able to speak in a consistent tone that provides value to them, um, that's when you're going to be able to build campaigns that. That's when you're going to be able to to uh, become sought after by brands because they understand you have that unique relationship. So be authentic, be consistent, um, and and build it. Build your audience the right way, and
1: have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and there's great there's great examples of creators that have, you know, built on a particular talent that they have, or they they have a an you know, interest in a in a particular area, and then they just leverage it into you know becoming famous for that. One of the things that uh, you know, as we've worked with brands, that uh, we often advise them is to to let go control a little bit and and to be very collaborative. And you mentioned, you know, creators being authentic in the in the content that they're creating and whatnot. Just wondering if you have any comments around that the idea of true collaboration between brand and creator.
0: Yeah, I think I think it needs to be true collaboration. One of the you know you don't work with influencers because you're interested in in, in billboard marketing. Because then you can just get billboards and, and who cares or do placement ads. I think it's, right. you yes. know, understanding that the creators are used to speaking to their audience, understands what makes their audience engaged um, is key for brands. And some brands have difficulties letting that go that, you know, they feel it should come off a certain way when, you know, in reality, it, it shouldn't. It, it should be authentic. That's the points of, of influencer marketing. Um, so I think that you know brands are are, are learning this, and I think it's, it's typically the bigger brands that are more concerned about it, whereas the smaller challenger brands are okay with having people be authentic because they feel authenticity is a part of their um, identity as well. So it, it's definitely a two-sided effort where I think the brand needs to give guidance on what's work, what certain words or phrases work to get the engagement that they've experienced, um, but let the influencers. You know put their
1: spin on and then again as a creator I imagine there's there's different rewards and recognition that you can can get for you know working with a brand and creating content or ideas or products with them any interesting things that you've seen around kind of rewards con- you know value recognition that that have really uh, worked quite well
0: uh, on the, creator, on the side? creator
1: side yeah I mean for what I mean ways that, that creators can basically earn in the creator economy, or value that they can gain in the creator economy.
0: Yeah, I mean, so we do a ton of like everything from gifted campaigns to um, obviously full-on paid campaigns. As you move down and evolve, if you know, if you have a good relationship with the brand and then, then inquiring about becoming an affiliate with them, so essentially, right. um, you know, playing a part of their success if, if you are, or you know, you earning a cut kind of, of the success that you're driving essentially as a creator. So from gifted, you know, gifted is kind of where, where influencing career starts. And as you gain traction, you start to yeah. get create that content. And then as you develop relationships with friends, you might get invited to become an affiliate or an ambassador for them. And that's kind of the evolution. Well, three of all, there's going to be opportunities for new types of earnings, different ways to, to collect uh, um, recognition and rewards. Um, whether that be through NFTs that give influencers access to certain things, events, or, or webinars or whatever it might be, or yeah. prizes. Um, I think it's it's definitely about to open up as with web three.
1: Right. Yeah. So I'm um, yeah.
0: excited for that. Um, yeah, traders should
1: be interesting to hear how you sort of have this continuum of earning through gifting or, you know, some sort of paid to becoming an ambassador, to becoming you know, really an affiliate and, and having a long term relationship with a brand. In the some of the recent research and, and strategy work that we did, we found that those long term relationships are really being sought not only by creators, um, but also by brands as well. And um, are you seeing similar things in terms of some of those long standing relationships forming?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think brands are starting to, to your point, um, really under, understand the benefit of those relationships because when they when they truly and really like you, there's content that's going out on dark social that brands can't or realize is happening. And, and when the when the influencer uh, really enjoys you or, or authentically believes in what you're building as a brand, that transcends social media
1: and an opportunity for that you know, creator to be a real advocate for the brand in, in ways that the brand couldn't be themselves, right? Exactly. I mean yeah. it sounds it so, somewhat self serving if it's coming from your own voice, but if if people are advocating for you, then it has that much more credibility. Yeah, it
0: really humanizes yeah. the brand which does which does, a, which does you know, some amazing things to help reduce those trust barriers that initial consumers have and
1: Um, We're going to pause here for a a quick break. Uh, You touched on Web3 and definitely want to dive into some of the emerging technologies that that you're seeing and what you're seeing for the future of the creator economy when when we come back. You're listening to This Is The Creator Economy. For the second part of my conversation with Vinod, we discussed how the creator economy is scaling through technology and the many opportunities this presents as an evolution of the gig economy. So welcome back everybody uh, to this is the creator economy. I'm here with Vinod uh, Varma, who is the CEO of Creator. Really enjoying the conversation, Vinod. You know, would love to look into the crystal ball and see, you know, what you see emerging in the creator economy right now. Where where's this all going? Do you think?
0: We've kind of dropped a few M3, you know, hints in, through the conversation. I really do think that's going to play a big part. Of, of you know, adding a layer to the creator economy in a sentence, creators in the future will will become and start to become their own storefronts. I think that's a very easy to understand future for the creator economy. Part of that will involve you Web know, free. Now it remains to be determined, but I think that the bubble popping here uh, has opened up the opportunity to continue what you're used to doing, but now it's it's made better for either it's less expensive to do, it's more transparent, it's quicker, whatever it is. Through through Web three, I think the future is creators becoming more independent, taking control of their income. You know, really being in seeing themselves as a destination for their audience to purchase products and brands that align with, with their area of expertise, with their niche, whatever whatever it is that they talk about. And I think with NFTs and tokens and crypto coming around, I think that'll just Enhance that experience altogether where how creators can not only earn, but also reward their fans and give their fans exclusive access. Um, so, it, you know, creators will become their own brand while helping other brands in that mix. Um and it's going to be a mix of, of Web2 e commerce that, that'll you know, be familiar and, and for a long time. And yeah. uh, um, we will adding, you know, Web3 components in there where it makes sense. As yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, I, you know, and we're we're seeing indications of this all, already. I mean, there's uh, lots of examples of you know the combination of NFTs and physical products. I saw something come across my newsfeed this week. Um, Azuki is selling skateboards with uh, chips embedded in them, and there's a, there's a corresponding NFT to that skateboard and a digital experience around that. You know, and there's, I think they are selling around, you know, in the hundreds of thousands of dollars and upwards of a million dollars. Um, you know, that hybrid of a physical asset in the real world and then a digital asset in the in the virtual world, it's pretty inspiring to see some of these examples. What
0: I love seeing are legitimate brands trying something, and I do, and I do think you know free NFT giveaway is a natural start because let's be real, most of their customers don't even have a Web3 wallet. So, you know, what a great incentive. Hey, I'm going to give you something free. You help kind of create that 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 initial reason for them to open that Web3 wallet. And then it would be a lot easier to put more things in it and work with it in the future.
1: You know, one of the things that we promised in this podcast is that we'll, we will try and keep it simple for people and help them understand some of these emerging technologies. I, I'm curious to get your take on you know, how you define Web3 and what is Web3 in kind of layman's terms to you?
0: I think Web3 is just like the internet on a transparent ledger. And Hmm. in order for it to work, it needs to balance. Computers or people are rewarded for making sure that it balances. uh, But I think at the end of the day, it's. I don't think the technology goes beyond what the internet does today right now, but it's a more efficient way of doing it. It's a transparent way of doing it And you remove some of the friction that Web2 has being so centralized today and so so controlled. So, you know, I I think I try to always bring, you know, I think it's easy to see the use case of NFTs for things like tickets or um, coupons, gift cards. And all of it makes a lot of of sense. And when you start to uncover it, I think Web3 or crypto crypto and, and NFTs, those words scare people maybe a little bit today or make them nervous because they don't fully totally understand it. But you know, when you start to break it down and, and, and there you start to realize it's anything you can do on web two you can pretty much do on web three. And mm-hmm. it's really people have to think about does it make sense to do it on I mean, Like, does does the benefits of web three being touchless, faster, you know, decentralized make that web two thing better or not? Yes, When it does, right. Then and there's use cases and reasons that it makes sense, uh, and when it doesn't, you know, the yellow pages on, on blockchain doesn't isn't gonna do isn't gonna do much of anything. Um, right. So who cares? Ticket now on blockchain makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. Imagine the possibilities, right? And and how it could simplify a lot of those transactions that are that are happening out there. But you're right. I mean, you touched on this like like to. A lot of people. It can be scary, right? It's it's the unknown. It's you know. There's been a lot of hype around crypto in particular, and you know that underlying blockchain technology has tons of applications. Do you see it? And this is maybe a rhetorical question, but do you see it here to stay, or is this you know crypto thing just a a passing fad that's going away?
0: I I think the inflated NFTs, you know, based on an inexperienced artist, artwork is is not going to be the future. I do think the underlying technology and how we can use it—it's definitely yeah. here to stay. I think people kind of realize there's a bit of stupidity in it. The real believers and the people who understand technology, I think, still understand that there's still so much potential. We, we're just in the parking lot. So.
1: so you see a lot of opportunity for creators in this new. Web three metaverse world.
0: Yeah, I think I think more than than ever before because there's nothing stopping them from from owning their entire their communities from from start to finish. There's nothing stopping right. them, from, you know, because of the transparency, the inherent transparency of of blockchain. If something exists out there, they'll be able to use it, clone it, develop their own applications on it. Or, and own those applications and won't be subject to, you know, the, the rules and regulations of Instagram and we're violating terms that you mm-hmm. know, people feel they shouldn't have been, you know, their accounts shouldn't have been shut down or they should be earning more and you know they're actually earning some you know the layer one social media sites and things like that. So yeah, I think it's gonna disrupt a lot of I think it's gonna disrupt social media and make mm. people kind of more their own publishers definitely the future. I'm excited to see how it comes out. I know I'm not going to be the one that builds the apps part, but I want to be the one supporting the ones uh,
1: that uh, do. You talk about disruption and not, uh, of course, you know, many of those social platforms and digital platforms before them came out and disrupted a very traditional economy that, that preceded it. Are you seeing that, you know, the face- Facebooks, Instagrams, Snap, TikToks of the world, are they about to be disrupted as well because of what's coming with the uh, with Web three.
0: Well, I mean, Facebook changed their name because I think they knew what was coming. Uh, right. So I'm sure they're all working on it. I, I know uh, Instagram. I think is dropping a feature that will allow some creators to, to mint their content into an NFT. So I think, I think it's about putting a few reels in the water right now and seeing how creators fight and what you know what gets the most um, attention from you know use cases because I think. A lot of people who don't understand the technology or haven't got into it yet are still trying to uncover. Like, okay, this is what I do as an influencer, as a creator. Where right. does country really fit in for me? And yeah. I think that that question there's a different. There's a bunch of different forms in the road, and I think that the social media platforms will put their their reels in to see who bites, and then sure. uh, and then it won't be long before you know new social media platforms come based on. Based on those
1: learnings, right, right, and is your model then to continually keep tabs on that and to adapt as you know as the platforms uh, change?
0: Absolutely, yeah. We want to be we want to be with the creator economy where influencers or creators are interested in, in exploring or earning more money or collaborating. We want we want to be there.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. I mean, and, and, you know, you and I have talked and you've, you've had some great traction so far. I mean, you've experienced some good, good growth over the last couple of years. And in terms of the number of creators you're working with, number of brands you're working with, and obviously the, the revenue modeling are around that. Where's this all going for a creator? To the
0: moon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel we've got a, a good grip on, on. Um, who our core users are. And I think if we stay focused on helping those two groups of, of those challenger brands and those aspiring influencers, then there's there's a lot of synergy between those two, those two parties. And if we can build features and products to remove friction between them and make collaborations more profitable for both, then I think we're going to be a force in the creator economy for... For those user
1: groups interesting well it's great it's a great trajectory that you're on right now and an, and an interesting story uh, around what what it is that you're that you're building um, also maybe just touch on I just want to touch on something with creators again I interviewed a guest a couple of weeks ago and she was talking about how you know becoming a creator is a viable business and career opportunity for many yeah. You know, many Gen Zs and and the generations uh, to come—is that something that that you're, you see as well, and and that you're kind of harnessing at, at Creator?
0: Yeah, I would think it was fifty-eight percent of Americans aged thirteen to thirty-five would become an influencer if they had the chance. So um, I read another article that was the most number one requested course in universities and high schools: how to become mm. an influencer. So I think the trend's not going away. I think I think people are just. It's in line with the gig economy, right? It's, a, it's a, you know, they've segmented it and called it the creator economy. But if you look at the over overlying umbrella, it really is the gig economy and people want to be in charge of right. what they can make and more responsible for it and do it on different terms. And I think that complements the creator's lifestyle very well. And, you know, thankfully they have the ability to connect with an audience, which, uh, you know, pulls them a little bit away of the traditional gig economy, which is a little bit more labor intensive. Uh, and puts them in a you know the creator economy, which is to their skills around content creation and speaking to an audience.
1: So the creator economy really is a, the economy of the future, the way that you're describing it, right? If it, if this is a kind of a an advent of the gig economy, this is the way things are going.
0: I think it's going to be one of the biggest cogs in, in in the marketing wheel in the future, for sure. I think uh, yeah. brands that are thinking about it are, are going to be in a big way as as the industry evolves.
1: So, what does that mean for you know, if you think of traditional marketing or advertising agencies, what does that mean for for them, and how can you help them in the work that you're doing?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's awesome for them because it's going to be a new stream, new stream of revenue as they as they start to offer it as a scalable solution for their clients. Um, yeah. I think that's one thing that holds agencies back from offering it is just it is without tools or technology, it is quite labor intensive. Um, so. We help by providing kind of the base of our technology for them to build campaigns that can scale. Um, so, you know, that's how we want to support them. And and I think where we're evolving is we want to help them give them time, guide, and some guidance, on strategies to run with their clients and how to set up KPIs to measure success. And so really becoming kind of a, a tool for agencies to use and a resource for agencies to use so that they can invite their clients and help their clients run successful influencer campaigns just like they do
1: with media, so you're quite collaborative in terms of how you're approaching th- this this market.
0: Absolutely, yeah. We want to be you know we want to be the hub, but we want to be seen as a resource when it comes to influencer marketing and and SMBs yeah. kind of promoting products through influencers, whether that's top the funnel, middle of funnel, bottom bottom the funnel, and. Um, Agencies are a big part of that because, you know, there's a the ton kind of brands that, that trust agencies and rightfully so. And if we can make influencer marketing more accessible to the agencies, the brands will benefit. At the end of the day, that's... that's
1: i give you an opportunity. I don't know if there's anything that that you particularly want to touch on in this conversation. I feel like I've been peppering you with with questions the whole way through. Um, yeah, anything that, that, uh, that comes to mind that, that you'd like to... Tell our audience, our audience.
0: Oh now we're in the spot. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I I wanted to ask you how you felt because you know you you've you've done some great work building some some wicked communities for some really well known brands. Right? How you feel or how you've experienced the community building aspect relate to the creator economy and and kind of influencer marketing in general?
1: Yeah, you know that's a great question. Um, I really feel this is a natural evolution that's happening, right? So if you look at, you know, the work that, that we've done, we started in the crowdsourcing space, which was, you know, bringing groups of people together to, to create things. Uh, we then moved into community. And as you've said, we've built some amazing communities for some amazing brands, uh, over the years, but those communities were always about creating value of some sort, right? So whether that was social media content or whether it was new products, as is the, the case with Lego ideas, or if it was advocating for a particular, you know, target market or audience or building out an audience. Um, we did some amazing work with IKEA, with with Gen Z and having them, you know, do things that you just you described that you're doing at Creator, which was to send them into, you know, into stores and to record you know video and, and photo photos of themselves going through that shopping experience yeah. right and, and we did that in a, in a community kind of context so to me it's all a natural evolution uh, I'm super excited about the creator economy because there's now emerging technologies that can be leveraged to scale it as you said so connecting brands and creators at scale being able to monetize you know in in doing that being able to manage campaigns in real time. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's super exciting stuff. And then of course we get into web three and NFTs and virtual worlds. And, and again, those are, to me, those are communities. They're communities that are usually established around some sort of purpose or, you know, passion or interest. And there's lots of ways for brands to connect with, their fans and lots of ways, uh, for value to be created both for the brand, the creator and, and whoever's facilitating those yeah. conversations too. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a natural evolution, uh, of what we've been working on for, you know, well over a decade now. Yeah. No,
0: I think the community building aspect is, is super important because it's, it's not just the one and done influencer. It's really about, you know, building a tribe and, and, and generating that fandom.
1: Uh, it's it can be done with a lot less friction than it than than it maybe previously because of you know emerging technologies and because of it becoming more mainstream both for brands and for for consumers. You know, years ago, a consumer probably wouldn't think about you know seriously creating advertising content or social content mm-hmm. or marketing content for a brand, let alone you know a product or whatnot. But now it's very mm-hmm. natural, right? And I think there's been an evolution of let's call it consumerism too in that consumers are very much wanting to have impact with the brands that they're working with they want to have impact in the world themselves too right you know around sustainability and making healthy choices and and good product decisions and and this whole idea of the creator economy wraps around that right i have two daughters who are have chosen to be vegan and many of their you know daily consumption decisions are around engaging with brands that support that lifestyle Mm -hmm. and that also are doing it in a sustainable way right and it's just becoming commonplace now whereas you know not so many years ago i think people consumers were more around you know just price and value and selection or whatnot and and now there's many so many more variables out there right You know, I think we could probably talk for for days if we wanted to, and and maybe we'll have that opportunity in in the in the future. Um, but uh, Vinod, I really want to thank you for joining joining the podcast. It's been a good conversation. It's great to learn more about what you're doing at Creator and and your perspective on on this whole creator economy. So so thank you. Thanks for
0: having me, Rob. Appreciate you.